great to be here with you. Happy Father's Day, man. And uh, it's great to be a part of this ministry as we continue to walk through this series, In Living Color. We're closing out today. This is the uh, last in this series. And we've been talking about what it means to have a vibrant walk with Christ, a dynamic, um, a life-altering walk with Christ, what it is to know Jesus Christ in a way that blows you away. And so each week we've been walking through different facets of what that means and what that can look like. And today we're closing it out with kind of a capstone statement, sort of an exclamation point passage that explains what it looks like to kind of bring it all together at many levels and uh, what it looks like for our worship and our walk to sort of dovetail together. And uh, we're going to talk today about a, having a splash of integrity, integrity, meaning what I say I'm about, I'm longing to be about, and now I'm going to go about being about it, right? A splash of integrity. Lord, let's bring this all together. May you get all the glory. And, uh, so turn with me, if you will, to Psalm chapter 15. Psalm chapter 15. As we dive in and look and what it means to have a splash of integrity in our, in our lives. I'm telling you, as we begin to follow through with what we say we believe, as we begin to read God's word, trust it, believe it, and apply it to our lives, and watch God begin to do a changing work in us, this integrity that kind of rises up within uh, really escalates your worship in huge ways, right? So a splash of integrity. First point here, worship God in all his glory. Worship God in all his glory. Integrity is going to impact your worship in huge ways. Worship God in all of his glory. We'll start out here in verse 1. This is a psalm of David, Psalm 15. It says, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? And, uh, he's asking a simple question here. He's just kind of laying it out. And as he asks the question, he's not asking a question like, boy, I'd really like to know the name of that guy. Like, that's not his thought here. He's like, what does it take for it? What's the quality of it? What's the character? So just breaking it down here, he starts out, oh, Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Super important, like you uh, might know this already. We've said it around here a bunch, but as you're walking through your Bible, if your Old Testament has that word all in caps, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That means in the original language, it was God's personal name, Yahweh. And it's literally speaking to the original name. of He's crying out, O personal God, O one who is known as I am, the translation of Yahweh, I am that I am. It speaks to God's existence, like he eternally exists and he doesn't depend on anybody else. The I am. From eternity past to eternity future, he exists. And there isn't one being he's leaning on where he's like, man, if they're not with me, then I fall apart. God, fully independent in that regard and for all of eternity, the I am, Yahweh. And so David's crying out to him, oh, Yahweh, oh, Lord, all caps. He says, oh, Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall sojourn in your tent? This word sojourn basically means uh, to camp out for a season of time, right? To, to hang out for a season of time. It's more than just an overnight. If you're sojourning, there's, there's really a more an extended stay, if you will. This might be like when you have 
family come in, maybe for Father's Day this weekend, and you have family come in and they're like, hey, we're thinking of being here for, you know, a week or two. That's sojourning. Some of you are like, no, that's a nightmare. <laughs> okay. But the reality is sojourning. It's about hanging out together for an extended period of time and sojourning. It's this um, more than just an overnight, but a temporary stay. And uh, it got used even in Old Testament times, they would talk about sojourners that might be there for a couple of years. And it was people who came into the nation of Israel and they hung for several years, but they would eventually move on. This was not their home, but it was a temporary time of home. Sojourning, camping out for a season. And uh, he says, who will sojourn in your tent? Right? And uh, because... When you're doing some temporary stay, you use a temporary abode. And so he talks about this tent, this camping out place, if you will. Now, this word tent was actually something that was used with Israel. And uh, they used it when they traveled in the wilderness. There are 40 years in the wilderness, they were living in this tent. So it became sort of a home away from home, if you will. And he's like, God has this tent, this tabernacle, while they were traveling in the wilderness they ended up having a tabernacle assigned for God and his presence existed with that tabernacle and it was this huge moment of expression of the presence of God. And while God resided in the tent, he's like, who is it that could hang with you in that tent? Like, you are so awesome, God. Who is it that could sojourn with you or, or who shall dwell on your holy hill. Now he starts moving more to the longer term. Who shall dwell? Who is going to live life ongoing, daily, abiding with you? Calling it home and living there for an extended time. He says, who shall dwell on your holy hill? And your holy hill, he's talking now about Jerusalem. It's the place they ended up putting the tabernacle at the top of the hill. And then eventually they built the temple there. And God's presence was there. The power and the authority and the glory and the presence of God there on the holy hill. And he's like, who is it that has the right to approach you and to be in your presence? Like just getting closer to God, you could feel it. Like there's something huge going on in this moment. A massive thing taking place. And it's... It's life-altering to be in the presence of God. Man, I'm just telling you, I don't know about you guys, were you outside at all last night around 10.15 or 10.30? Did you see that? That was amazing. I was sitting inside the house, and all of a sudden I could see the light just lighting up all over the place out there. So I went outside, and I stood on the back patio and just watched the thing unleash light all over the place from the lightning and then the, you could see the edge of the front rolling in and the rolls of the clouds just kind of moving forward. And I was like, that looks really bad, man. As I'm watching this roll in, the ominous of it, and then you could start to hear the thunders and it was constant lightning thunder going on. I'm telling you, when you come into the presence of God, it is that times 10 million. It is walking, it is just looking in awe and just stunned. That was just with clouds and lightning. I can't even imagine about the very glory of the presence of God. And then last night, it unleashed hail right after it, right? I don't know about where you were at, but all of a sudden, it came down, man. And uh, I'm just telling you, 
the presence of God is absolutely awe-inspiring. And he's like, who is it, God, who could hang with you for a short time? Who could live with you and dwell with you? You are stunning. And, uh, you know, I just went to Psalm 103 here just to make sure we understand how great this God is. Here's a passage, Psalm 103, that talks through who the Lord is and why we should praise him. Listen to these words. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So now he's gonna, the psalmist is going to list all the benefits. This is the greatness of God, who forgives all your iniquity, who forgives all your iniquity. And all of God's people said, and we have life because God forgives, right? Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Our God speaks and healing can be done. Who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He's redeeming, he's crowning, he's bringing us in to the the great family of God Almighty and we literally get to be declared sons and daughters of the King who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Your God is a satisfying God. Your God is a redeeming God. Your God is a forgiving God. Your God is a healing God. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Your God is all about righteousness and justice. In the broader sense of things, your God is working at all times for righteousness and justice and got to make sure that you don't see righteousness and justice just through the lens of humanity. Make sure you see righteousness and justice through the lens of divinity, through God Almighty. See, all too often we look at it and we're like, how unfair for us, and yet we're walking around daily in our sin, doing and being our selfishness and unleashing that on the world. And God's working with this broken, sinful world. Know this, our God is sinless. And all of God's people said, absolutely perfect. And he brings a righteousness and a justice that will be all about, in the end, his glory unleashed on this place. Praise God. says, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. He doesn't keep it a secret. He reveals himself. Our God can be known The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Merciful and gracious. He gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy and grace. And uh, it says, it is abounding in steadfast love. This word in the original language, hesed, meaning his love that never, ever ends. A love that never, ever ends. He will not always chide nor will he keep his anger forever. Like there are moments where we sin, where we wrong our God, where we take a stand for ourselves. God rises up into that and we do need to walk through and deal with that relational moment. As God is like, not that. He's like, just so we're clear though, his anger always subsides. He's always walking us through. He's bringing us to a better place. God definitely is loving in the process. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. And all of God's people said, that's a big deal, man. And uh, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love towards those who fear him. 
Man, fearing the Lord is where it's at. This God, this God of greatness, this God of grandeur, this God of perfection, this God of righteousness, this God of absolute justice, this God of mercy, this God of forgiveness, this God of hope, know this. If we fear him, if we respect him, if we give our worship to him, you will be in awe along the way. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Praise God, he takes our sin and removes it from us. God does not take our sin and continue repeatedly day after day to point out what he had to forgive. That is not the work of God. In fact, if you find that you are constantly being reminded of sin that has been committed but is now confessed, know this, your God is working to restore along the way. Satan is working to remind. So just be careful with that. Watch out and know the word of God is very careful to restore along the way. He cares deeply for you. It's a journey of transformation. It doesn't mean that God's justice isn't going to also speak into that moment. Maybe there is some consequence. There is some things you have to deal with along with it. But God knows exactly what he's doing. Trust your God. And all of God's people said, huge deal. It says, as far as the east is from the west, he removes our transgressions. As a father shows compassion to his children... So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. As a father shows compassion, our God reaches into this world, into our sin, and he loves. That's our God. Unleashing his perfection and his glory that we might see him and know him with all we've got. And I'm just telling you, it's a super huge deal that we grasp the awe of God the Father and all that he is in our lives. Huge deal. So we talk about Father's Day today. May God the Father always be the one you fear and come to your knees for showing him the great glory. May you give him your full attention. May God be worshiped, right? Huge deal. You know, this past week uh, we were in Amplify and uh, it's a young adult group that we have here. It's 20s, early 30s singles. And uh, my wife and I lead one group. And Pastor Mark and Stacy lead the other group. And so we've got two groups of around 20 to 25 young adult professionals, uh, single professionals here in the church. And just love rallying with them. And uh, we also met together with the college group that night, did some worship time first. And then we broke off. Uh, and we walk through the, the uh, impact group questions that are related to the sermon. We do that all the time. That's our thing every other week, just like all the other impact groups in the church. And so uh, our group, mine and Jana's, was going through and walking through some of the questions. And a, a question came up about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the question was, what was it like back in the Old Testament? I mean, worship today with the Holy Spirit right here with us and you get this kind of welling up and even pressing in on the sin that needs to go and all that stuff. What was it like in the Old Testament? And we started to talk through a little bit of it. I mean, there were moments where the Holy Spirit came on people. There were moments where the Holy Spirit was influencing like you get to have today. There were moments, like as believers, we all get this, right? The Holy Spirit indwells us. If you trust Christ, he is right here with you. 
That wasn't really the prototypical experience for an Old Testament saint. And sometimes the Holy Spirit came on, but a lot of times not. God chose in the Old Testament to reveal himself in a particular spot often. He chose to reveal himself in a particular place and make it clear that this is who he is. In fact, you saw here in the phrasing that he, there was a who can sojourn in your tent. Why was David saying that? Let's just throw this image up here. We've used this before. This is a super powerful image. Good for us to see. This is actually a painting that was done of what it might have looked like when the Israelites were camping while traveling in the wilderness, right? The 40 years in the wilderness, they set their tents up around the outside. You can see all those tents up, right? And in the middle is the tabernacle or the tent of God. When, when this psalm says, who can sojourn in your tabernacle? Can you see the pillar of fire over the top? God revealed himself by the pillar of fire at night and the cloud by day. A singular location of his manifest presence as he said, this is who I am. And man, I'm telling you, as you got closer to that location, you could feel and sense the presence of God. Can you imagine every night on a 40-year camping trip with that as your vision. Right in the middle, this massive pillar of fire. And the psalmist is saying, who could go hang out in that tent with you, God? You are so glorious. He's gonna to begin to answer that as we move through the rest of this. You know, we talked a little bit more about it at Amplify. We talked about this location, but I'm telling you, then when they ended up taking over Jerusalem and they ended up establishing the temple, God's presence and his glory right there on the temple. When people went to visit the temple, they weren't just going to see a, you know, a cool place with some gold on it and that kind of stuff. They were actually going to a place where God's express manifest presence was sensed. As they walked in, they were getting a sense of something that was very different because God and his glory were present right there at the temple. So when Paul says to you, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, he is literally saying to you, you get to have the manifest expressed presence of God Almighty in your soul. Everybody just say, that's a privilege. How often we miss that privilege. Man, may we grasp what it is to sojourn or dwell with God Almighty. He is giving you the opportunity of being with him right here, right now. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, huge deal. Do you grasp his greatness? Do you grasp and are you in awe of his presence in this world? Or are you distracted by the things around you? Man, are you living with his presence within you and recognizing the privilege that you are sojourning in a tent with your God? That you are dwelling in the temple with your God? And may we live that with all we have. Okay, worship God. Second, walk. Walk blamelessly before God and man. 
walk blamelessly before God and man. So who is it that can dwell here? He's going to begin to talk through what it looks like for it to affect your soul. Now remember, we just talked through Psalm 103 with the privilege of forgiveness, right? And so these are going to be call-outs of what our integrity should be like. And when this is off, then we go to forgiveness. God, please forgive me. Restore this. I long to be this with you. This is what we need to be targeting, all right? Here we go. He who walks blamelessly and does what is right. So first and foremost, who is it that's going to hang with God? Who's going to experience the the manifest presence of God? Who's going to feel their sail set and filled? Who is going to experience the Holy Spirit moving in them? Well, someone who says, Lord, what is it you want done? I want to do it exactly like you want it. Not I'm trying to do it like I want it, but Lord, I long for my thoughts and my desires and my actions to be viewed as right in your eyes, right? Literally being able to say, God, what is it you want done? He walks blamelessly and does what is right. It says, and speaks truth in his heart. Speaks truth in his heart. Really important you hear this. And speaks truth in his heart. Like you are literally speaking to yourself what is true. Okay? Speaks truth in his heart. It's a very important deal that we grasp with. Don't brood on what is untrue. Right? When we start to say things like, God doesn't love me. This person is just, all they want to do is, they're just trying to get me for, right? When we start reviewing the things of this world and we change what's fact and we make it what isn't, just so that our feelings can somehow be um, padded and sort of petted and appreciated, like, oh, I know how I feel, like, this is how I feel, and we start to voice our feelings out and we begin to speak what's untrue into our heart, I'm telling you, it'll unwind you. Watch yourself and watch what you're saying. Don't brood on what's untrue, man, don't refuse what's shared as truth, When somebody comes and looks to bring truth, and you're like, I don't want to hear that. We're beginning to try to speak untruth. Sometimes we speak untruth where we try to make it worse. Sometimes we speak untruth where we try to make it better. You're saying I'm sinning or I have a problem, but I say no, right? And it's the opposites can both be there. Be careful with what you're speaking. In fact, uh, I just put this, uh, refusing truth is not godly. Refusing truth is not godly. And uh, so I wrote these down. The flesh's way of handling confrontation. The flesh's way of handling somebody telling you about your sin. The flesh's way of handling your own sin. Okay, here we go. Three steps. Step number one, deny. The flesh's way of handling when somebody comes to you about your sin. Deny. Nope. That's not true. No. No. Like that's the quote that starts with the flesh. No. Not going to hear it. Uh Uh-uh. The flesh is wanting to resist and defend self. And so the first word, deny, you're just saying no. Everybody say deny. Deny. It's the first step. 
And I'm telling you, your first inkling when somebody comes to you, I'm telling you, your first inkling when somebody comes to you is always to go, uh, uh. Like, there's a part of you going, I don't, I don't want to know if I want to hear this. And then you have to kind of get over that hump and begin to talk to yourself and hear this, man. Speak truth into your heart. Deny is the first step. Deflect is the second step. Deflect. Deny. No. Deflect. Well, they... Like you immediately have to get it off to somebody else. I'm still not wanting to embrace what I've done wrong. Deny, then deflect. And uh, we see this with Adam and Eve, right? God comes to him and he's like, why are we hiding? What's going on? Why are you wearing these fig leaves? What's, what are you doing? And, and, and they're like, well, I, I you know, I, can you imagine that hem and haw moment when Adam and Eve brought the first sin from human beings into the world. Can you imagine the experience they had from innocence to collapse into sin? And now God is questioning them. What's going on? And and so he says to Adam, what's going on? And Adam says, the woman. (laughs) She did this to me. Right? It's immediate deflect. Her. God's talking to the woman. He says, so what do you have to say about that? Serpent. Serpent, he did this to me. And deflect, that's what we do, right? Hey, what's going on with this sin in your life? Uh Uh-uh. No, they, no, you have to understand how, no, you came at me with, you did this to me, right? Whatever it is we do, the deflect is always, we're not going to talk about me right now. We're going to talk about them or you, but not me, thank you. Deny, no. Deflect, I do not want this conversation about me. Move around to other people, please. I'm sure we can find somebody else who's wrong. Let's give it a little effort, right? Deny, deflect, and then the last one, destroy. Destroy. Oh, no, you didn't, right? This is the how dare you prove this to me. Usually this comes when the person has tried with some effort to angle in on or answer back to the challenges and the deny and the deflect are getting some answers that carry some merit. And now you don't like the merit it's carrying and you're having to face it. And so you go, boom, I destroy this relationship moment. I will hurt you back. In fact, we're going to see this in the passage come up in just a little bit. I'm telling you, you will hurt for bringing that to me, the flesh. Deny, no, deflect, well, well, what about them? No, they did, right? Destroy, blow you up, I will hurt you for doing this. The flesh's way of handling problems. Just know that that's what's roaring inside of you all the time. The sea of selfishness, the waves that rise up will say, deny, deny, deflect, 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 deny, deflect. That's enough. Destroy. That's how it's going to roll out. Be ready for that. That's the flesh inside of you talking. Speak back against that, okay? Now, I'll just say, that's when somebody's coming to you to challenge you, but often when we're wrestling with things, we actually may not just be denying the problem. We may actually deny the solution. This is the other side to the coin. So flesh, when it comes to the solution of Christ, and it's the same thing, deny, but we're like, No, Jesus doesn't love me. You don't love me, God. You don't want me. You don't care about, deny. 
deflect. Have you seen what I've done? Let me review for you all of my sin. You would be amazed how the other side of the coin for flesh actually is willing to look at sin a lot, but it's always with this, look how horrible I am. Just starts tearing down, tearing down, tearing down, tearing down. And then in the end, destroy. I am worthless. That process is horrific. As we deny that Jesus Christ loves as we deflect into pointing away from Jesus Christ and his solution and we start pointing to all of our sin failures along the way and we ultimately say, let me label myself, I am worthless. That is a shame journey that is horrifying, okay? And I'm just telling you, both sides of that are flesh fixing things. Flesh is like, this thing needs to be awesome. This me needs to be awesome. Get your sin talk away from me. Or this me needs to be awesome. How could I have done that? Shame down. Are you seeing it? The flesh literally defending self. He's like, be careful. Speak truth to your heart, not untruth. Stop denying, deflecting, and destroying. Start listening along the way. So I just wrote this then. The godly way of handling these challenges. The godly way of handling. Submit. Right? The first is deny, no. So this side, it's submit, I hear you. I'm listening. I'm taking this in, God. I'm underneath your leadership, Lord. Literally, it's just this word, okay. Submit, okay. And, uh, confess, I'm wrong. Please forgive me. Confession. Like, Lord, I'm wrong. Did you know in the original language, the word confession, it actually is built of two words that means speaking the same thing as. It means you're saying what God's saying about this event. I'm echoing what God's saying about it. Okay, I see it. I'm wrong. Please forgive me. Confession. Lord, please forgive me for and be super specific. Right? So submit, confess, repent. I am done repeating that. It is over. Notice the destruction in that. This pattern will be destroyed. On the other side of the fence with flesh, it's like, I'll destroy myself. I'll destroy you. I'll destroy anyone or anything. I'm telling you, I will bring the destruction. But on the other side of it, the destruction actually is the end of that sin pattern and God getting all the glory. Godly, may we truly submit, confess, and repent. That's the three-step journey right? It's a huge deal when he says, speak truth to his heart. You all too often have the choice. Do I let the flesh waves roar into my boat or do I keep it balanced? Am I listening to the spirit? Am I checking God's word? Am I taking input from others and going along the journey that way? Speak truth into your heart. Allow the truth to get there. It says, uh, who does not slander with his tongue, who does not slander with his tongue. This is the beginning of destruction. Have you ever been hurt by someone? Maybe they challenge you with a sin. Maybe uh, in some way there's been a conflict. And so the first thing you do, you go back to them and you have a direct conversation. No. The first thing you do is you go to somebody else and you talk about them. Can you believe what they did? Can you believe how it went down? I want you to understand how I feel about them. Maybe we even put our angle on it and it's just one side of the story, slander. As you begin to spread lies about because it hurt you. This is how you destroy. You use your tongue 
to spread what's untrue because you don't like what you had to hear. And uh, he's like, who does not slander with his tongue, who does no evil to his neighbor. Like you're not trying to go out and in some way do some harm. I can't believe you said that. I will harm you. These are great examples of the destroy step, right? I long for you to hurt on this. That's the move of the flesh. It says, uh, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. This literally means a bitterness, like a long-standing, long-holding anger against them. Like, I know we've talked about this before, but just real quickly, there's three stages. It's either bitter, forgiving, or forgiven, okay? And to be in the bitter stage is like, I know Christ has forgiven me, but I won't forgive them. This is really a worship problem. Bitterness is a vertical problem. Like, I know God's doing some things in my life, but I'm not about to share that out. Like, I want to make this clear. I'm super important, and I don't want to be hurt by anyone or stung by anyone. So, I know Christ has forgiven me of sin. Praise God for that. But that's not going to be bringing to the next person. Bitter. How dare you do that to me? That's bitterness. Okay? Moving into the next bucket, forgiving, is when you say, no, Christ has forgiven me. I'm willing to forgive others. Lord, what does that look like? Lord, you were wronged by me, and now I've been wronged by somebody, and Lord, I'm willing to forgive. Forgiving is a willingness to forgive. Often, that's the most we can get to. If somebody wants to harbor some resentment against you, you know, when Scripture says, basically, be at peace with all men, it means you're trying as hard as you can to be open. You're willing to see it resolved, but they do not want to resolve it. That's where you get to, willing, forgiving. That's a great spot to be in. And, and the better one would be that everything gets resolved. It goes very horizontal as you talk with each other now, and there's apologies and forgiveness, and now it's forgiven. Bitter. It is that thing you take on when you say, I know I was forgiven, but I am not about to forgive someone else. Everybody say, that's a bad plan. That's what he's saying. Man, stop taking this in for yourself. It can be horrifyingly vicious to your soul. Bitter. Why do we do it? Because we love ourselves. And we can't believe somebody else would do that to us because I don't think I would ever do that to me, right? We start to talk through things where we're like, how dare they have done that, right? It's very me-oriented. It's not us-oriented. Holy Spirit always teaching us, you in worship of your God and caring for others. Holy Spirit's always going for that, us, bringing it together. And the, the broad us because I'm telling you, a lot of times we're like, God, I feel like you're really challenging me on this sin, but, but I don't like the feeling of it. Well, it might actually be improving things in a broader sense with the whole family if you're getting your sin addressed. How many other people are hurting because of your sin? And so it's time to deal with that and be able to see it for what it is. It says, who does not slander, who does not do evil, and who does not take up a reproach against his friend. Like there was some relationship and now it's getting destroyed by the bitterness being harbored. And maybe you're harboring a bitterness and it needs to be let go of. These things can be absolutely life-altering to the negative side, right? You know, I was looking for an illustrate on this this week. 
And uh, I was looking through some video pieces, not that I'd play the video, but just getting some ideas. And, and uh, I found this one video. This woman was out west. I'm not sure where. I think it was Arizona, something like that. But there was a rattlesnake in the uh, corner of like, it wasn't a cabin. It was probably more of just an outbuilding. But, but she was in this outbuilding and there was a rattlesnake there and she had the video camera up, her phone. And she's holding it up and this this rattlesnake had coiled up and was just kind of sitting there and she's talking and she's like walking closer to it. Everybody just say that's stupid. <laughs> right? I'm watching this. I'm like, no, don't do that. And as she's walking closer, she gets to a point where she feels she's safe and she's like, this ought to be good. The snake starts going, no, not liking it. And the rattle starts rattling on it right? You can hear the thing going. She takes one more step and now the rattle just starts going like crazy. And all of a sudden the snake lashes out. He gets to full extension and drops. And she goes, whoa, and steps back. That's all she said. I would have been saying a lot more. I'm just saying. She goes, whoa, steps back. And the thing recoils back up into a coil back in the corner and it's sitting there hissing. So she goes back to the same spot. And she's still videotaping it. And the thing just starts, its rattle starts going like crazy. It lashes out again, can't hit her. And it gets angry and upset as it coils back up in the corner. It sits there, its rattle just starts going like crazy. The thing starts shaking, it's so upset. So it literally lashed out and bit itself. No kidding, whack, bit itself. Ah! It was like, gotta do something. And so it bit itself. I then looked up, can a poisonous snake poison itself? Like, I don't, I don't know. They said no, but whatever. Literally bit, bit itself. That's bitterness. You are so upset, coiled up, that you are willing to trash your soul because it hurts right now and you're not about to let them go. But as you harbor and hold it, it's like biting yourself. Bitterness is the poison we drink trying to hurt the other person. It doesn't get it done. And as we take bitterness to this unruly level, it literally causes us to start lashing out against ourselves. It causes us to hold against. It causes us to deny the truth in our hearts about who Jesus Christ is and the forgiveness we have and we begin to get rough with people. Almost never, everybody say almost never, almost never do we end up being mean or rough to somebody just cause. We believe that they've done something and so we lash. There's a denial of what I'm a part of, there's a deflection away, it can't be me and so I attack. And this giant attack, either of others or of self, I'm just telling you, it doesn't get it done. Simple question. How are you doing at facing the deny, deflect, destroy plan that comes from your flesh within? There's absolutely no denying this. If you're like, I don't have this problem, we've just verified you're in step one. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like, this is part of the flesh. This is what happens. How are you doing at dealing with these three pieces? 
May God get all the glory as we instead submit, confess, and repent. And all of God's people said, all right. Step number three. See the world as your mission field, not your stepping stone. See the world as your mission field, not your stepping stone. This same man who's now blameless, doing what's right, speaking truth in his heart, it says, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. Like, it's not the, man, I'm just looking for somebody that does what actually stands against God, what's completely wrong. I just want to hang out with them. I want to celebrate what they're doing. I just want to live with people who are like, I don't care about God, and like, not that guy. Like, you recognize that when somebody is standing in evil, when they're standing against God, you're not with that. And really, this is like, I long to see people get right with the Lord. But when a believer claims to be right with the Lord and then just embraces a sin and stands with it ad infinitum, I will not break away. I just want it this way for me. He's like, man, there does need to be a distancing. There does need to be a be careful moment on that. And uh, scripture's super clear about that. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, it says, but who honors those who fear the Lord? He actually is like, this guy loves the Lord. I love him. I love his passion. I love his hunger for the Lord. Literally honoring them. You're lifting them up. You're getting closer to them. You want to learn from them. You can't wait to hear from them. You choose your friends wisely. That's what those first two pieces mean. You choose your friends wisely. As you're moving along this journey, you're hanging around with people who absolutely glorify God said, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Who swears to his own hurt. Like, I am willing to say that I will do this. And then when it turns out that that wasn't working out with the events and the timing, doesn't matter. I said it, so I'm living it. Let my yes be yes. I said I would do it. I'm doing it. Even though now me falling through on that, as I follow through, I literally am going to be hurting myself. I'm in. I said I'd do it. I'm doing it. You can trust my word. They are faithful in what they say and what they're willing to follow through on. See, all too often people are like, man, I'm just telling you what I'm all about is no pain for me, right? And this is saying, no, we're actually all about integrity base. What I say I will live, may God get the glory. Who swears to his own hurt and does not change. If you've promised it, You follow through on it, no matter the cost. Who does not put out his money at interest. Some of your translations say at usury. And so at the least, this means who isn't trying to take some kind of excessive interest off of somebody. But it actually means more than that. In fact, if you go back to Exodus 22, verse 25, it says, if you lend money to someone poor, you shall not ask for interest from them. Exodus twenty two twenty five. This is alluding to somebody who's in need. See, in Israel, if somebody took out a loan, it's because something went really, really wrong. Like it went big time bad. And, and so in general, they had their own possessions and they lived with those and they were satisfied with what God gave them. And when something absolutely went destructive and so now they were 
poor, in quotes. They were wrestling with a giant need. They may need to take a loan to get that covered and get something bought and brought in. Maybe crops were damaged. Farmers are feeling that this year, right? Something goes wrong, and so somebody loans something out. They're like, don't try to make money off the guy. Don't use the plight of someone else and the problem of someone else to be lining your own pocket. Be careful. Care for them. Now, Israel also had another rule which said every seven years, any debt you owed was going to be released, right? We're like, that'd be awesome. I'd own my house in seven years, right? Like, that's, that was the policy that they lived under. And so the loaning was a very different kind of loaning, and this, this loaning is speaking to that. If you're seeing somebody hurting in need, they're poor and struggling, don't take advantage of them just to make money for you. Care. Be able to give, and without expecting it paid back with some excess or some interest along the way. All right, and then it says, and does not take a bribe against the innocent. And does not take a bribe against the innocent. Some of these, like, doesn't this one just seem obvious? Right? The others, like, speaking truth to your heart, there's a subtlety to that. But not taking a bribe against an innocent guy. Like, hey, man, will you lie in court to put that guy in jail? He bothers me. Sure, why not? Like, who would say that, right? And he's like, I'm just telling you, you need to know that there are various levels of how that gets meted out. Watch out. When you're willing to get some level of benefit to will and be willing to hurt someone who is actually innocent just so it benefits you, that's a bribe. And you better be careful with attacking those that are actually innocent. May God get all the glory. He says, who does not put out his money as interest, who does not take a bribe against the innocent. It says, he who does these things shall never be moved. Never be moved. In other words, their walk with God will be stunning. Satan will never get a foothold. They will never be dragged away. They will never see a falter. Now Psalm 15 is written back in the Old Testament. And we know nowadays we have the Holy Spirit with us personally. Praise God for that. Everybody just say praise God. And that does mean that in each moment of each day as you walk your life, you will experience the Holy Spirit pressing in, convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. There will be moments where he will be filling the sail and leading and guiding and comforting. There will be moments where you will experience, man, it doesn't feel the same right now. I'm not sure what's going on, Lord, what sin needs to go. Submit, confess, repent. May God get the glory. It's a huge deal that we grasp that our God is at work in our lives all for his glory. Man, please hear me. The great and glorious God of the universe who shows himself in the thunderous clouds and in the fire by night is revealing himself in you. And bask in that. Get that privilege And hold on tight. May God get all the glory. There is something so unique. We miss this privilege like you would not believe. We just begin to wander around in this world like that's not true. You have the holy God of the universe right there with you. And he declares you his temple. 
He's invited you to dwell with him. And he longs to do a changing work in your life that you might not be moved. And all of God's people said, amen, man. May we walk with integrity. I'm telling you, this one will rock your world. If we get these things in place and we start to have our worship rocking and we start to have the way we work with other people and our own sin rocking and we begin to walk this out in full-fledged before our God, you will be stunned with the vibrant life in Christ you can have. Let's pray.